Hey everybody, welcome to Bear Insider, Ultimate Insider Podcast. I'm Jim McGill, editor with Bear Insider. We have a special guest today, two months after his arrival. We've uh, pinned down busy Cal head coach Mark Madsen, and we're going to talk a lot about his uh, playing career, how he got into coaching, some of the new portal arrivals, his coaching staff, a couple of new freshmen coming in, some of the returning players, and what his expectations are for this season. So I don't want to keep you too long. With that, let's just get right into it. Mark, welcome to Cal. Um, your arrival was obviously something that Cal fans greeted with a, a lot of anticipation. And uh, man, it's, it was just a lot of excitement around the program right now. So, so welcome here. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Great, great to be here. Really excited about it. And, uh, you know, we've kind of put our heads down and we've run really hard for the first two months. And, you know, we've done some good recruiting, still more work to do. I know you've been running hard. It's hard to track you down. You're a very <laughs> busy man. <laughs> so I um, wanted to do a little retrospective first of all. So you played at San Ramon Valley until 94, took a two-year mission to Spain. And right. how was that experience being overseas? And are you fluent in Spanish or were you then? Well, first of all, I love my mission to Spain. Yeah. I had a great experience there. Um, I would say I used to be fluent. <clears throat> you know, every now and then I try to bust out the Spanish and the, the words don't quite come Un poco. Eh, un poco, claro, un poco. Las palabras no se me, se me salen tan bien como antes, pero not intento too, hablar. Not too bad. You can get by with that. <laughs> I can get by a little bit. But. <laughs> so when you were a senior, or actually more than a senior, junior, junior and senior, I think, uh, Jason Kidd was here and Cal was just on top of the world, him and, and Lamont Murray and Monty Buckley and those guys. What were your thoughts on the Cal program at that point? Did you go to any camps or go to any games? I mean, r really, my first, uh, I actually went to practice back with that team because my first unofficial visit was to Cal. And so I remember being in practice and seeing a lot of those guys go up and down. Lou Campanelli was the coach. There was a coaching change midway through the season. But, um, you know, then, then my recruitment kind of fell off a little bit after the coaching change. But um, grew up, you know, obviously just following that team. We had a dunk contest at Santa Ramon High School back in the day. Lamont Murray came out what? and judged it. No, I was going to say, did yeah. he throw any down? <laughs> no, he, he was just in there. He was just the judge. Okay. He, he, Lamont was the judge. But... Uh, it's funny, he and I were texting about that the other day, and he came out and judged it, and it was just fun. Nice. It was really fun. You know, there was so much excitement and energy towards Cal basketball, and in particular, that team. Yeah. So you, you uh, came back from your mission, and you played at Stanford for four years, went to the NCAA tournament every year, went to the Final Four, All-American two years. Do you kind of envision Cal being in a position where they're a perennial NCAA team and maybe in position to make a run here and there and get guys, have some guys get national notoriety like that? Is that your vision? Yeah, 100%. Well, 100%. You look at the, the history and the the players that have been through the Cal program, you look at the success that Cal basketball has had, and there's no reason why we can't replicate that. There's no reason why we can't get back to where some of those teams have been in the past and, and, and hopefully go even further, and hopefully go even further. But, but really, it's an unbelievable foundation of basketball alumni, of basketball tradition, and, and also just of, of the university itself. So you ended up um, being drafted by the Lakers, playing there three years, and then playing six years with the T-Wolves. A lot of great stories around you and your, your interactions with Shaq and trying to go up hard against him in practice, which probably was almost impossible because he's so massive. <laughs> right, right. And Kobe's work ethic and how that rubbed off on you. What, what did you take away from that time in L.A.? 
Well, I think uh, I took away a lot of things. I mean, first and foremost, you have the memories and the relationships. And obviously, Kobe passed, and so that's you know that that was a time of great reflection. You know, I, I was emotional off and on during that week in particular after Kobe died. I remember when he did die, I was reaching out to former teammates where we all played together. You know, just checking on each other, and it was it was uh, it was a sad emotional time. You know, I was I was on I was getting ready to fly out to the memorial at Staples Center. Uh, you know. The, my flight was Monday morning at 6 a.m. It was the middle of our season, actually. Um, I think it was my first year. It was my first year at Utah Valley. And, uh, and I, I, my wife was pregnant with our second child. And I said, just make sure, just please tell me the baby's not coming tonight or tomorrow. She said, there's no way, there's no way. So I went to sleep, getting ready to leave on the 6 a.m. flight. And that was the night that, that uh, you know, she gave birth to Roy. And so obviously I stayed and, um, you know, I missed the, commemorative event to celebrate Kobe's life but you know it's strange uh, Hannah pointed out to me that Roy was born on 224 and on 224 hmm. and, and that was the, the the same day that uh, you know obviously you know very meaningful day for, for you know in Kobe's life meaningful numbers um, I, I've, I've only had one other experience like that where you know, things kind of came together in a strange way like that, basketball-wise, but it has meaning to me. Yeah, and then you played with the T-Wolves, and there was one story that Cal fans loved about how, um, you know, you were signed up to, your name was on a camp, and, you know, you're like, well, when do I show up? And they're like, well, will you just come like Wednesday, come for an hour, sign some autographs, and you're good. And you're like, no, my name's on this. I'm here every day. W was that really gratifying to see the kids' reaction and the parents' reaction? Because they're probably not used to that. D doing camps in Minnesota was a lot of fun. I mean, number one, we were winning er early on. We were winning early on. We had some great teams at the Timberwolves. Um, I'll go back in time a little bit to Lakers, and I was sitting with Robert Ory. And Robert said to me, he said, if you ever do a camp, if you ever do a kid's camp, don't be the guy that just shows up for 10 minutes to speak to the kids. Good advice. Yeah, I mean, he said, if your name's on the camp, you're there every day. And so I took the advice. The first year, we had 40 or 50 kids. The second year, we had 180 kids. <laughs> no, no coincidence, I'm sure. Well, it, was, it went well. And, you know, you get signed shoes from NBA players. You give it out as prizes. But I remember our camp director came up to me and he said, hey, I just got a death threat because... You know, I, a parent came with a child, and I said we were out of space, and he threatened to kill me. Oh, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it, bad the death threat happened. It was, it was good because it meant the camp was meaningful to the community. Very popular, <laughs> obviously. They mean business. Yeah. <laughs> so you went right from there into um, coaching uh, in the D-League with the Utah affiliate, and then uh, you got to be head coach with the D-League for Lakers, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, well I was hired as the head coach. For the Lakers D League team, and then before we could actually run the draft, oh, you didn't actually do it. Yeah, well, they, they moved me up to the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, you spent a year there and the, the staff, and then you became a bench coach. Yes. Um, what was that experience like for you transitioning into you know being a, a bench coach for your with your former team in the NBA in the yeah. show? It, it was amazing because to to be able to first of all um, to be back with the Lakers was incredible. Um, to be able to have played with Kobe early in his career, and then now to go back. And to coach Kobe <laughs> was just a an experience that I'll you know hold on to. I mean, when I was teammates with Kobe, it was you know it was there were times when he got after me, 
there were times when, when I played well when he was celebrating with me. You know, as a coach, we sat on the plane a few times just talking X's and O's and going back in time to the different NBA finals and the adjustments that, that Phil made and the, the insight that, that Kobe had uh, along with that. So just, you know, just some great, great times there. Yeah. And then you got to uh, your head coaching position at, at Utah Valley. What was the transition like running your own program? It was great. You know, I'd, I'd always wanted to be a head coach. Um, came into Utah Valley was the hiring process w- was was uh, at the time when it was, and so when I got there, uh, you know, several of the players, several of the top players, had already transferred, had already you know either left or were there in the process of leaving uh, to transfer, and then you know building a program up after having a little bit of an exodus of players was. Just, just a really great experience that taught me a lot, building a staff, and then improving every year. You really were able to put your stamp on it, bringing your own guys in, just like you're going to be able to do here. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and learning the transfer portal. That, that's one of the biggest things that was different from when I was an assistant coach at Stanford uh, to, to now is the, you know, just the prominence of the transfer portal. Yeah. Well, you um, have been asked plenty about the angle, about going to your rivals to coach, but, yeah. you know, Monty was did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, coached it both with success. Jared Haas is a former Cal player, so I think you get a get out of jail free card. I mean, <laughs> the, the trail's been blazed uh, yeah. both directions. So, yeah. no, I mean, there's a there's a lot of crossover both ways. There's yeah, a lot of crossover both ways. I mean, I think I, I think what's kind of interesting is I mean, I grew up 20 minutes from here, but you know, I, I didn't really show this at the press conference, but my brother-in-law. He got his PhD from Cal. Oh, nice. So my sister was here for, for a while. I grew up going to the Lawrence Hall of Science week-long summer camps. I'm yeah. pretty sure those are affiliated with Cal. Yeah. You know, so th- there was definitely some and, you know, a lot of cool connections with Cal. And it's just, it's really great to be here. Go Bears. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's clear that things have drastically changed in the last few months. We went from a situation where the program was essentially at rock bottom to one where there's a lot of hope right now. Yeah. And it feels like to the fans that it was necessary to hit rock bottom to really get full buy-in from uh, the athletic department, the administration, fans, donors, everybody. Because incremental change from 3 and 28 or 29 was not going to cut it. I don't think there was really an appetite for fans to see a slow build to, you know, seven wins to eight wins to 10 wins. And you've came in and reshaped things totally. You're getting a lot of support from the athletic department uh, with increased budget. You get a big staff that Cal's never seen before. Um, Donors are coming on board for the first time in some years. Can you talk a little bit, first of all, about the staff situation? You're you're able to bring in some extra assistance, non-recruiting assistance that the NCAA is allowing now, but Cal has not had before. Can you talk a little bit about what those rules are and what their functions can be when you've got bench coaches versus non-recruiting coaches? Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, you're exactly right. The NCAA is allowing uh, two new positions, basically. Uh, Staff members that the only thing that they're limited on essentially is doing off-campus recruiting. Okay. And, and so they can do a lot of recruiting from on-campus, phone calls, Zoom calls, letter writing, texting, all those things. And so... They're real meat and potatoes. I mean, really, really, it's a, it's a lot of it. And yeah. So they can do a lot of that. Um, and we'll split up their responsibilities similar to the way an NBA team would. You know, every coach will have certain areas of expertise, certain lanes that they'll really focus on. And... Uh, and we're going to have a great season. And a lot of it is because of this this staff that, that we've built. You know, we, we've had some really good and strong recruiting successes 
Our staff works incredibly hard. Our staff puts in long hours here at the office, at home, um, you know, weekends, uh, visits for, for recruits, and a lot of those successes that we've had recruiting are direct correlation to our staff. Just in broad strokes, can you talk a little bit about the specialties for each of the guys? Yeah, 100%. Let's start with our associate head coach, um, you know, Adam Azari. He goes by Maz. Um, tremendous experience. He's been in the NBA for, for six years. I knew him our past cross when he was with the Memphis Grizzlies. And then he went to Vanderbilt with Jerry Stackhouse. And, you know, he really helped Jerry. He, he worked closely with Jerry on the offensive side of the ball. And if you look at the offensive efficiency for Vanderbilt over the last three to four years, uh, I believe they've been top 100 uh, in terms of offensive efficiency three out of the last four years with the three most recent years consecutively. Okay. That's very hard to do. That, that's extremely, extremely hard to do. And Maz was a huge part of that. Right. Amara Morgan. Um, really, you know, from a defensive, I remember when he and I were doing the, our, our initial Zoom interview, we, we got to defense and, you know, we shared our screen and watched a lot of tape together. And, and he was talking about some of the most advanced defensive concepts, not only some of the most advanced, but some of the most effective defensive concepts and, and some new ones. That, that I was not aware of that had you know really helped the success that they had had at Loyola of Chicago. Amaro someone th- there's not a basketball person in America um, that doesn't have Amaro's number and he doesn't have their cell number. <laughs> impressive. <laughs> it, it, it's impressive. It, it doesn't matter if it's California, New Hampshire, you know Arkansas. If, if a player goes into the portal, if there's a high school player, I say Amaro. Do you have any connection to him? <laughs> literally in almost every situation, Amaro yeah. said, yeah. Yeah, l- 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 give me a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible um, the depth of his relationships, you know, in this business. Matt Trubinsky, you know, he's he's been an associate head coach at Central Arkansas. They had some of the best success that they had had in a long time with Matt there. Then he goes to Texas Tech, r- really helps to build up that roster. You know, Matt is also a tireless recruiter. You hear his name come up a lot with these AAU guys. Oh, Matt, Matt knows everybody too. Yeah. You, you know, where where Matt will come into my office and say, hey, here are four players that you need to watch film on right now. Hmm. And they're, they're always incredible players. But not only, these aren't the players that, that we're aspiring to have a connection to. No, Matt's talking to them already. And, and we have a foot in the door and we're working on recruiting them. Usually good recruiters like that are grinders. Is he, is he always on, the, oh, on his game with no. recruiting? Yeah, Matt's <laughs> always on his cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> Matt's always on his cell phone. Um, he's always texting or calling a, a recruit or an AAU coach or some high-level international prospect or agent. Yeah. You know, and, and then, of course, Ken Moses. So, so Ken was with us at Utah Valley last year, and, and he came over to Cal. So, so Ken and I were together one year at Utah Valley. Before that, he was at Montana State, and we had an opening. And so I called Montana State. And, you know, as you do your due diligence, Montana State had the best season they had, had in like 100 years. Hmm. And so in talking to Danny Sprinkle, Danny, Danny said, yes, you know, Ken has been a huge, huge part of that success. Then I called the players that, that Ken had worked with, and they just, they, they were unbelievably impressed with Ken's professionalism and his knowledge of the game. And so that shined out also at Utah Valley. Um, Ken brought suggestions, ideas on, you know, X's and O's, different things that had a tangible effect on winning important and key games for us at Utah Valley. So it's, it's great to have Ken aboard. Jared Jackson, 
I mean, J Jared has done a lot of different things in his coaching career already at a young age. Um, you know, he's been at Texas Tech. He's been at University of Texas Arlington. He's been at Coastal Carolina. Uh, Jared and I worked together three years at Utah Valley. And, you know, it's uh, Utah Valley had kind of had a little bit of a drought in terms of winning a WAC championship. And so it came down to uh, we were playing at Grand Canyon. It was during the pandemic year. And if we won both games, we were the outright champs. Hmm. If we split, we shared the championship. If we lost both, well, we came in second. That a lot. <laughs> so Jerry came into the office. It was his scout. And said, Coach, oh, I think we should do, and he named a defensive principal. I think we should do this against Grand Canyon. It, I studied the film, too. And I didn't have that in my notes. And I was nervous. I said, Jared, I don't know. <laughs> but he showed me the film. He showed me the analytics. And we went with it. And we almost swept uh, Grand Canyon. We ended up splitting. We yeah. ended up splitting in, in a good, hard-fought battle. And Jared, uh, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget you know, his contribution there. Yeah. And so for, from the basketball coaching perspective, that kind of rounds out the, the, the staff on the coaching side. Now on the um, player side, obviously this is going to be a, a very new roster, five returning players and then a bunch of guys coming in through the portal. I think there's five locked in right now. Can you talk a little bit about uh, about that group? Fardaz, Jalen, Jalen, Keontae, and, and Mike? Yeah. Uh, let's start with Mike Meadows. You know, Mike's a guy who has the potential to be an explosive scorer when needed. Uh, he had close to close to a 40-point game last year in the WCC against Santa Clara. Um, he, he's a great mid-range shooter. He, he's a he's a really really strong three-point shooter. He can run a team. He can run a team. He can run a team from the point guard or from the com or, or from the combo guard uh, position. And, and he's just a great locker room leader. Um, you know, when you speak with him, you can just feel the leadership. The you just feel it. You know, and and. You know, in addition, I know a lot of people that know him well, so we're really excited about Mike. Um, let's talk about Keontae Kennedy. Um, Keontae is, so, so Memphis is coming off a strong year. Keontae was a huge part of that. Um, when Keontae had, he had an injury late in the year, and, and that hurt Memphis when he went down. Keontae, oftentimes at Memphis, would guard the other team's best player. Um, he's a guy who can chase shooters. You can throw him onto a point guard. You can throw him onto a bigger player. He gets steals. You know, the, the, the fan base is going to see Keontae get deflections and passing lanes, go down and dunk on somebody. He led the AAC in three-point percentage last year. Nice. Uh, about 42 43%. And so Keontae is just a really, really well-rounded player who can do a lot of different things. Um, let's talk about Fardaz Amak. Let's talk about Fardaz Amak. Um, I had him at Utah Valley for three years. Fardaz is a true professional. Um, Fardaz, you know, a lot of times big guys, they're not as concerned about their body because they're down there banging, you know, a couple extra pounds. Here That's not Fardaz. No, no. <laughs> Fardaz is meticulous about every part of his game. Um, we had a good win against BYU at home two and a half years ago. It was an overtime game. Fardas played 44 minutes out of 45 minutes. You don't see big men do that very often. No. Right? <laughs> what big guy can do that? Yeah. And it's, he wasn't just out there playing. No, he was playing at a high level. Fardos redshirted with us that you talked about for a year. Then he played. And after that second year, he said to me, Coach, will you let me shoot threes next year? And I said, I said Doss, you've made them in practice. If you put the work in, if you shoot a great percentage, absolutely you can shoot threes next year. Well, he led our team 
in three-point shooting percentage <laughs> that year. Wow. On about 40, 45 attempts, I think he shot about 43%. Wow. And so it wasn't as high last year. He was playing hurt at Texas Tech, but Fardos can shoot the three. Um, what he can do in his sleep, he, Fardos can roll out of bed in the morning, and he can just suck in defensive rebounds, you, you know, like, like bees would go for hunting. <laughs> I mean, that's that's Fardos, and, and he... He's got a strong post game. He's a good passer. He does a lot of things. Um, Jalen Tyson. J- Jalen's a guy who um, has great size. He has a playmaking ability. He can shoot the three. You look at his efficiency last year in the Big, in the big 12. His efficiency, Jalen Tyson's efficiency in one of the best conferences in America was off the charts. Um, in terms of shooting, in terms of the, the free throw shooting, the finishing, and then the rebounding side of the ball. You know, at, at one point in conference play, Jalen Tyson, as a, as a wing, as, as a guard, as a wing, was in the top five or six in defensive rebounding. You don't in, see that. In, in the conference. Yeah. You know, and so here you have a guy who can put the ball down on the deck. He can dunk on you. He can rebound the ball. You know, he, he has the capability to make six threes in a game. He's a, he's a weapon. He, he's a matchup problem. He can go down to the post. And so we're really excited about JT. He's scrappy too, right? Oh. Does he get under guy's skin kind of yeah. like Jorge uh, used to do here on, on the Cal team? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And so we're excited about that. Um, um, Jalen Cohn. You know, Jalen is an explosive. That elevation is oh. crazy. He has oh. those jumpers. It, it's, it, <laughs> it, it, the, the way Jalen Cohn plays the game is the way the game is meant to be played. Um, Jalen is an extremely efficient three-point shooter. He, he shot 40% from three on heavy attempts, on heavy attempts, which is what you want to see. You, you know, he's he, he's a volume shooter in the sense that he can get a lot of shots off, but he's highly efficient doing it. So Sometimes you see a guy who gets a bunch of, sh- a bunch of shots up. He doesn't make too many. Jalen's efficient. Um, we played Northern Arizona twice last year, and so we're very familiar with Jalen Cohn, and we're very familiar with the fact that you know, if you look at NAU's record last year, if you really look closely, they were a few bounces of the ball away from, you know, being right at the top of their conference. And I only know that because we did the, we did the scouting work, you know, an overtime loss here, you know, a, a loss by one there. And so it's it, Jalen Cohn is going to be huge for this team. The, the fans are going to love him. Um, he, has, he has the textbook picture-perfect jump shot. Uh, one thing about Jalen Cohn that, your, uh, you know, the Cal family probably doesn't know about is he wears cowboy boots at times. <laughs> he, he loves country music. Wow. And, uh, you know, he, he's not afraid to just <clears throat> enjoy life. Yeah. To just enjoy life. He was a great interview. It was fun, really fun to talk to. Yeah. And then you've got a couple of freshmen coming in. Do you have much of a handle on their games? Yeah. You know, obviously, obviously we've studied film on, on you know, Rodney Brown. Um, obviously, a wing player. You know, can probably play some point if needed. Um, length, ability to score it, you know, can get his three-point shot off against, you know, with his size and length. Um, you know, he has the potential to be, to be a really uh, big-time player as, as he adjusts to, to this level. And I think that adjustment will happen quickly. Um, and then Devin Curtis, shot blocker. You know, 6'11", you know, 6'11", close to seven feet, can step out and shoot the three, can block a shot can clean up defensive rebounds and so you know we're excited about both of those players coming in and uh, a little quick 
synopsis of the, the return, the five returning guys? Yeah, let, let's start on the front court. Um, Grant Newell, <clears throat> obviously the all freshman team uh, here in the Pac-12, um, a guy that <clears throat> can finish, obviously at, at the rim through contact. Um, had some games where he made some big threes, and in our spring workouts, he also shot the ball extremely well. Um, Grant, someone who is always in the gym working. You know, he's working on putting the ball down. He has the ability to play on the perimeter. He has the ability to switch on to point guards defensively. He's got a post game. You know, as we worked through things <clears throat> during the spring workouts, Grant was someone that, that really embraced all the footwork that, that we were showing. And so I'm very excited about Grant. Well, he's got the right name for the footwork with Newell. With Newell. <laughs> yeah. Did, exactly. you ever, did you ever work with Pete Newell? With the well, big man camp? Yeah, yeah. I flew out to the big man camp, yeah, too. Yeah, You know, I was out there. And he was renowned for his footwork. He was. Yeah. He, yeah, he was. And so then you got Andy Okafor, strong, tough, intense, physical, um, really good defensive rebounder, uh, can knock down his free throws, can, can run the floor. You know, I would say that, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, if you look at ND, ND is a great shot blocker, not, not just – a secondary shot blocker coming over from the weak side, but also a primary shot blocker. There's a lot of film that a lot of his body of work last year, the guy he's guarding is going up and he's blocking the shot. Do you ever envision him and Fardos playing at the same time? 100%. That could absolutely happen, especially against some of the bigger teams like in Arizona, like some of the teams that have two physical strong bruisers at the four and the five. Okay. Um, you know, moving to Devin Askew, I think Devin is, is really probably one of the best passers on the team, as it stands right now, he has the size to see over defenses. Um, he can really deliver that ball. Um, good, good mid-range game. Um, obviously, can take a guy down on the post and score it. Um, shoots the ball well from three. Um, obviously, Devin has the ability to do a lot of things on the court, and so I'm, I'm very excited about Devin. Um, and then Jim, Monty. What's that? And Monty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monty. We, we, we got with, with Monty Bowser. I think you know if you look at that, the latter portion of the season I think I think Monty really came on seemed to develop some confidence when his shots started falling yeah yeah I mean Monty is you know they say in the game of basketball the mid-range shot is a lost art Monty knocks that down I mean he can knock that down I, I, I've told Monty really over the spring I said Monty your jump shot is beautiful if anything shoot it more and shoot it more from three as well he's got a great stroke great attitude and, uh, you know, very, very excited about Monty. And then, and then Jalen Celestine. Jalen Celestine is <clears throat> strong shooter. He's got a, he's got a big physical body. Um, we'll be able to put him down on the block, you know, if needed. And he can stretch you out to the three-point line. You know, he's, got, he's got a great feel with the basketball. Knows how to use his body to shield the defender. And uh, he, he's really worked hard on his rehab to, to get to a point where I think he's going to be 100% healthy very shortly. Now that'll be real helpful. I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough earning minutes. It's tough getting um, developing a consistent rhythm when your body is just not hundred percent, as you know. Yeah. 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 So obviously, Cal fans are really excited about what this team is going to do this next year. And you've talked about you know the the biggest turnaround in history. And yeah. when you're starting at three wins, that's a, that's a very attainable goal if you get this team <laughs> playing really well. Yeah. Um, no, Jim, we can do it. We can do it. You, you know, we have we have the pieces here. We're going to have to play well. We're going to have to win some of the close games. We're going to have to be good on the road, which this team can do. But we are going to have a great year. We're going to have a great season. The hospitality is going to be rocking. And uh, the, the fans are going to be excited about 
the style of play and the players. Speaking of the style of play, what, what's the special sauce that you see getting this team potentially to the tourney? Well, I, th- I think what we really try to do is, is you know, uh, from an offensive standpoint, we're going to open up the court. There's going to be more space with with having multiple shooters on the court. A lot of scoring threats. Yeah, a lot of scoring threats. And I think there's going to be times where we may have five guys on the court that are 40% three-point shooters. <laughs> Unheard of. Yeah, that, that lineup <laughs> is there. That, that lineup exists. Yeah. You know, and if, you know, as you know, it's the more shooting you have, the more space you have, the more ability you have to finish at the rim, create, draw free throws, and make your teammates better. And on the defensive side? Defensive side, I mean, it's, you know, the, the world, the basketball world is going to switching one through five. We'll do that. We'll do that at times. We'll switch one through four at times and ice with our five. We've got the hard show, uh, you know, in the menu. We've got the blitz in the menu. And then we've we got some different zones that have been really good to us over the years. You're going to run a lot too? Yeah. Yeah, throw aheads. We'll really preach throw aheads. <clears throat> now, to throw ahead, we've got to be in great shape. And, and that's one of the messages that I've really been preaching to our players is, Hey, don't don't come in in mediocre shape. Let, 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 let's come in in really good shape over the summer. That way, when the season starts, we're in phenomenal shape, and then now we can outrun our opponents and really get out and get some easy baskets. How's their base right now? Uh, the, the base is good. I mean, look, I don't know yet with all of them because right now they kind of have a month off. Yeah, you know, with the NCAA, we they're pretty restrictive in terms of when and how much we can work with the players. So. The off time that the players have is right now. We will start at practice June 12th. Okay. Great. Well, we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. You guys are nonstop and looking forward to getting back on the court in November. Yeah, well, Jim, thanks for coming out. Really appreciate you. appreciate Bear Insider and just the, uh, you know, the interest that, that all the fans have in the program. And, uh, yeah, appreciate everything. And we've got to wrap up with another Go Bears. Go Bears.